Thanks for downloading this episode from Teachers Talk Radio. You can find the full schedule and listen back to all our shows at ttradio.org. Enjoy the podcast. Teaching is a rewarding profession, but it comes with its fair share of challenges. That's where ADAPT come in. We're not your typical trade union, but instead a modern, apolitical alternative, offering expert legal, employment and mental health support. Protection without the politics. So what makes ADAPT different? We're always apolitical and independent, specialised solely in supporting individual teachers. Our caseworkers are professionally qualified, ensuring you always get the best advice. Plus, there's 24-7 mental health support. Whether it's a simple contract check or handling serious allegations, ADAPT are here for you. Join the thousands of educators who've chosen ADAPT to protect their careers. Subscribe at adapt.org.uk today. ADAPT. Supporting school staff. Protecting careers. This is Teachers Talk Radio and you are listening live. Hello everybody and coming up on tonight's edition of The Late Late Show, I'm joined by Jane Panther, the head of an English department at a secondary school in Cambridge and we'll be exploring the gender gap at GCSE level and looking at strategies and ideas about how to challenge boys to close the gap, as well as looking at strategies and tips for teaching girls too. Please call in and text with your suggestions as we explore the gender gap in education. This is Teachers Talk Radio and you are listening live. Tune in live at ttradio.org or to join in the conversation, download the Podbean app and search Teachers Talk Radio. Follow the hashtag TT Radio. Tune in, talk it out with Teachers Talk Radio. This is Teachers Talk Radio and this is Teachers Talk Radio news. Prime Minister Rishi Sunak is considering significant reform of air levels in England, which, according to the BBC, could see the introduction of what it calls a new British baccalaureate. The PM's plans could include the compulsory study of maths and English up to the age of 18, as reported in the Daily Telegraph. It's not the first time Mr Sunak has considered a shake-up, having previously said during an unsuccessful leadership campaign last year that he wanted all young people to study maths to 18. Foreign Office Minister Andrew Mitchell told BBC Radio 4 that he expects Mr Sunak to agree to reform of the education system and said the government will be guided by the best expertise on how we ratchet up standards. Concern about any proposed changes have already been raised by unions and other post-16 professional associations, particularly around the existing issues of recruitment, retention and concerns around workload. A spokesperson for the Sixth Form Colleges Association said the post-16 curriculum was narrow by international standards, and this was partly reflective of chronic underinvestment in Sixth Form education since 2010. The BBC also features an article on the fall in numbers of students being accepted into universities in the UK, the first fall in five years. Applications also fell after demand rose during the pandemic. Fewer students got into their first choice of university this year, 
but more qualified for their second choice or accepted places through clearing. The new data from UCAS shows 270,350 UK 18-year-olds were accepted onto a course this year, down from 275,390 in 2022. UCAS says the figures show a return to normal growth following the surge of demand seen during the pandemic. Data for individual universities is not yet available. Last week on Teachers Talk Radio News, we featured reaction to the latest data published on suspensions and exclusions. In a linked story, Schools Week has published further analysis, this time focusing on data from schools linked to incoming Ofsted Chief Inspector Sir Martin Oliver. The analysis reported in the article suggests the Outwood Grange Academy's Trust secondaries excluded twice as many pupils as other schools in some of their regions. At a pre-appointment hearing before the Education Committee last month, Sir Martin was challenged by MPs over the Trust's high suspension rates. Sir Martin responded, Our figures for permanent exclusions are lower than most in the areas in which we work. Schools Week says the data for the Trust's 13 secondary schools in Yorkshire and Humber had a 0.31 exclusion rate, the equivalent of three in every 1,000 pupils compared to 0.17 across the region's other secondaries. In the northeast, the Trust 7 secondaries had a rate of 0.64, compared to 0.3 in others. Kim Johnson, the only committee MP to vote against the appointment of Sir Martin, said he should be brought back to answer for his words. Frank Norris, an education advisor for the Northern Powerhouse Partnership, said the original comments could be viewed as misleading. A Trust spokesperson told Schools Week that Sir Martin was comparing exclusion rates between some individual outward schools to some of the other schools in the same local authorities with similar profiles. Spokesperson also added that the schools had been underperforming for years and had now been transformed by the Trust. More details of the Schools Week analysis and full commentary can be found online. In Ireland, the Irish Independent reports on what it calls radical changes in how students are assessed as being on the way in a move to combat the threat of AI platforms such as ChatGPT. Higher education colleges are already being told to abandon certain forms of assessment because they are no longer sufficiently robust to award scores which count towards official grades. These include do-at-home assignments or essays, unsupervised online assessments, and multiple choice quizzes which are conducted online. There will be greater reliance on oral assessments to check understanding and systems to identify if students have cheated by using AI. However, colleges are being told to resist any temptation to switch back to traditional end of semester formal exams. Instead, they should consider short-term re-weighting of assessments whilst they formulate a long-term plan. Finally, This week saw Education Secretary Gillian Keegan comment in the House of Commons that children she had visited in schools affected by poor quality concrete, known as RAC, had been petitioning me to stay in the porter cabin because they preferred it to the actual classroom. Ms Keegan's comments were met with derision by many, saying it showed a chronic lack of understanding of the poor quality facilities schools had been using for many years particularly since the cancellation of the project to rebuild many schools. However, Downing Street defended the comments, saying it reflected a conversation with children and that the department 
and leaders had worked hard to make sure children had been unaffected by the current challenge. This has been your Teachers Talk Radio News with Joe Fox. Hello everybody and welcome to The Late Late Show. I'm Richie and I'll be joined tonight by Jane Panter, who is a current head of English in a secondary school. And what uh, what we'll be looking at today is, you know, that ever-growing divide um, between the boys and the girls. Now, fortunately, and, and quite happily actually as well, this year the gender gap closed to its smallest level since at least... 2016 with a difference of 5.8 percentage points and a quarter of the entries taken by girls which were graded seven or above were around about 25.3 percent however boys fell into that 19.5 percent of receiving that top grade and what Jane and I wanted to do and what Jane and I wanted to to discuss tonight are all of the things that we could perhaps do to try to close that gap and it always seems, you know, for the 10 years that I've been education in education, that girls tend to do a lot better. And I think there's several reasons for that that we'll obviously go into and we'll we'll try to explain, you know, uh, doing our very best to try to explain that. But again, lots of tonight is anecdotal. Lots of it might fall into certain stereotypes. And for that, I apologise. But sometimes, you know, those those things do exist. And the things that Jane and I wanted to talk and, and to help you and to make it a positive experience of actually what have we done well that serves boys well as well, you know, as well as discussing girls too. So if any of you guys listening, please do, you know, if you are listening and have those anecdotes or if you are listening and have, you know, those strategies, please do share them with us. And obviously we'll read them out too. Um so as as Jane is just just coming in to be a speaker, um, let me just give you a bit of background. So Jane has been in education for around about 30 years and I worked with Jane for uh, a, a good few years and was always, you know, tremendously impressed with the relationship that she has with boys and girls and, and just students in, in general. But I think, you know, when you're talking about targeting boys and we're talking about hardcore groups of boys who perhaps, and I know girls are the same as well, but obviously the focus is on boys and that gender gap. Um, boys who are low aspirational, perhaps, or boys who don't really want to be in school because they might perhaps want to go elsewhere in life. They don't want further education. And I think with that is how do we overcome those strategies? Um, myself, when I was, I, I personally was in secondary school, uh, a good I don't know, 20 years ago now, perhaps. Um, I remember being in, you know, my, my friendship groups were boys and girls, but it seemed to me, even back then, 20 years ago, that girls were a lot more studious in class and girls did tend to take their education a little bit more seriously than boys who uh, who perhaps didn't have that attention span or perhaps, you know, boys didn't perhaps have the initiative to seek out teachers' help or to stay behind after class. And again, there's multiple reasons for that. And I'm absolutely sure that there's multiple reasons for that. But again, it's unpicking what motivates students and what motivates boys in particular. Now, we'll be talking lots and lots about, you know, all of these different ideas and making sure that hopefully we, we, we give, give you some tips to, to go away with. But I think one of the things that I noticed early on in my teaching career Again, I'm sure you'll hear it to death, but it's because it's true, is that 
boys do enjoy competition and boys enjoy competing against each other. And something that I did quite early on was maybe have, you know, having a group of boys who actually have high progress or attainment, but quite low motivation because they don't perhaps care too much for your subject. You know, if I'm trying to teach Romeo and Juliet to boys, I have to put a completely different spin on it than I would if I was teaching a, a group of mixed ability, you know, students with with mixed genders and I think when you're trying to look at particular what is it that interests boys you do have to add some element in there that they're interested in and lots of boys and girls as well do enjoy competition Uh, a strategy that we we had in a previous school was we looked at our year 11 boys who perhaps had the highest targets but they weren't reaching those targets and we essentially pulled them together and I think there was around about 12 of them and we put them in almost in a league table where they had to battle it out against each other. And that wasn't just in terms of progress. That was also in terms of behaviour and that was in terms of attendance and that was in terms of late as well. And they could earn certain points all the way through, you know, that final term really was that the final push of that group of 12 boys. And could we make a difference? Because even if we made a difference to half of these students, half of these boys, what could our results be at the end? What could their results, more importantly, be at the end when they leave education? Could half of them get better grades by putting them into this system and, and you know, making sure that point surprises, these boys want to be the best. Um, they helped that, that they were all friends as well. And I think that you have to be careful of who you select because positive praise works well with, with some students, but not all, you know, and there isn't what we're saying here tonight there isn't a, a one size fits all. And with these, this group of lads in particular, um, you know, we might say, okay, well, if you arrive to school on time, you get a point. And if you arrive to your lessons on time, then you get a point for every single time you arrive to a lesson. However, if you're late, it's a minus two. And obviously that's how your point system works. Throughout, you know, the, the mock period, um, if again, they made a, a level of progress to where they were, they might pick up five points. If they stayed the same, they might pick up three points. And if obviously they, they were lower then they'd get no points. And again, there's lots and lots of areas here. When you're talking about progress, when you're talking about attainment, there's lots of different areas where you will be able to pick up and see in certain subjects because you'll then begin to be looking all across these, these people's subjects what is it that certain teachers are getting right with these certain groups or particular individuals of boys? So again, it's, it, there's, there's lots of data to unpick, which I personally love. Um, I'm a bit of a data geek when it comes to things like that. And what I like to do is perhaps, you know, I'll just a boy called Bobby. Okay. So just a random boy. Um, I might look at Bobby and see that he's doing really, really well in history and he's doing really well in geography, but not so much in English. So, Again, it's, it's having that conversation as a tutor or as an academic mentor. It's having that conversation with that particular boy and asking, well, what is it about English you don't like? And, you know, I'm sure if you unpick it, there will be an honest answer there. And then it's working with that English teacher. It's working with whoever it, whoever it is to try to break down those barriers of learning. And again, this is not just for boys. We should be doing this for absolutely everybody. You know, we should be unpicking data and using data to make it work for us as tutors or senior tutors or year year leaders, heads of year, and having a look at all of the boys 
who could make a massive difference to their own lives and to your results and therefore your life too. And competition, as I said, was one area and that was a success. You know, uh, the biggest the biggest motivator for them wasn't, you know, vouchers. It wasn't, you know, anything really to do with anything of monetary value. It was that self-respect and it was that pride. And actually, they took a lot of bragging rights home with them too. So they would have, you know, competitions between them. We'd update the league table every couple of days and we'd make it into an event. So it would be a Wednesday, you know, after they've obviously had Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday at school. On a Wednesday, they're all going to come to uh, to, to the to the room after school, and we're all going to do a reveal of the league table. And you could feel the tension, you know, all of the all of the behaviour, the positive behaviour around it, and lots and lots of ideas were thrown in there. And sometimes it's just trying which ones, you know, trialing them, seeing if they fit, seeing which ideas work, seeing which ideas don't work, and. What was a success was that over half of these students in the end did a lot better in their GCSEs than, you know, they they were A, predicted and B, where they were at. And whilst I can't solely say it was because of this competitive league table, it certainly, I think, made a difference because then all of a sudden, you know, we've got student A saying to student B in this league table, well, I'm going to an after school revision class because that gets me an extra 10 points and then again these students who were perhaps not attending these extra revision classes they're now willingly going they're not being dragged there they're willingly going and engaging because they can see the benefits of it so again that competitive element and however which way you would like to do it really does help now obviously there are some drawbacks of that some boys don't like competition uh, some boys are quite threatened by it but again that's why you know your students that's why you have to be selective into which boys you choose and which groups you put them in if you have 12 students actually you might think well mm, don't really want to put all 12 together i will manage six and someone else can manage six and again that's a really nice way of creating the two groups and also i mean if even if you wanted to you could say well my group's going to get more than your group and then you've got a little bit of a, a civil war in in there too in a friendly way obviously so for me, competition, that was an area where it did work, creating a league table, but again, being very, very selective on who it will work with. And you'll know your students, you'll know where competition lies, and you'll know who it will work with. Um, something else that I've had a, a, a bit of mixed success in is teaching just boy or just girls groups. And this was in my uh, second or probably third school, actually, where we had a group of top set boys and a group of top set girls. And the reason was was quite simple. I think it was, you know, just that when we split the year halves, that's just sort of how they felt. And a couple of the girls didn't want to be in the boys group. So they went down a set and, you know, it, it, that's just sometimes the way that it, sometimes the way that it falls. But I think again, with having that all boys group, yes, it can be rowdy and yes, it can be boisterous. And much like the girls group, because I've taught an all girls group before as well, you know, it, it can be the same. Girls can get very familiar with each other, and that becomes, you know, quite chatty, etc. But again, it's having that right member of staff there to to manage that. And what was good with the all boys group was that if you're doing this for years 10 and 11, well, actually, 
the text is up to you to teach if you're an English teacher. So let's say you know that boys will engage better, just for instance, with a Macbeth play than a Romeo and Juliet because you sell it as in its revenge, its blood, its gore, its death, its murder. Um, boys tend to get on, on, you know, on task with that. And I think the higher learners are engaged anyway. So again, you choose the text types, you choose the poems, you can choose perhaps schemes of learning that would suit the boys better. Um, and likewise for the girls, you know, and then you don't have perhaps the dramas of, you know, everyday life and domestic life there because, you know, it is one classroom where is a safe spot. Um, there are obviously drawbacks with that. Some girls feel com more, way more comfortable with boys um, and, and some boys feel more comfortable with girls too. And also, I, I think with the ever growing trend um, of in which, you know, setting is going or, or mixed ability sets are going as well, it might, there might not be a place for that anyway in terms of setting. It's just something that I personally have done and I have seen the benefits, but I have also, as I've just mentioned, seen things that haven't worked too in that. And that's essentially what we're trying to get get through. Okay, there isn't a one size fits all. But if you go home or, or you go you go away and trial something in your school to try to close that gender gap, then you know hopefully one of these things that we discuss works for you. Um, again, talking about you know just trying to close the gap with boys, it does seem to lend itself the article uh, the guardian wrote an article saying that the gap in top grade between boy and girls widened during the pandemic and the commonly stated reason for this was that girls tend to do better at coursework again something that it, during covid times and again you know please please let me know your thoughts something during covid times was that quite apparent with the online learning stuff if I would set the tasks, girls seem to be a lot more organised, if I'm honest. And again, I'm, I'm sorry if I'm hitting stereotypes here, but this was just my experience. Girls, if I would if I would set out the homework and say it's, it's due this date, the girls would be handing it in because they could email it in, obviously, now. They didn't have to wait until the lesson to hand it in. They were emailing nine times out of ten, much, much faster, completed far earlier than the boys. And again, the commonly stated reason is you know with a coursework grade that's why the girls tend to do better than boys at GCSEs because their coursework is better because maybe they'll do more drafts and maybe that they will have more teacher feedback because they seem to be more conscious they seem to be more mature in um in being able to do that and feeling free and enough to do that themselves so again it's it's one of those that I think with coursework subjects and I am involved in a coursework coursework subject it's making sure that every student's coursework is good enough. And again, I'll be really, really interested to know if, if this is true or not. And is it that girls' courseworks, they do speak to teachers more often. I know that's the case in my current school. They do want to get better grades. They're willing to stay after school. Whereas boys tend not to really want to do that. They're, they're quite happy to do homework the night before and as I said when we were online learning and and you know the homework was due in but you had to email it in the boy I would pretty much say 90% of the boys homework I ever had the day of or perhaps maybe the night before and that was early whereas I couldn't say that for the girls there were always two or three days like beforehand so again 
is there something that in you in your schools in your subject if you're a coursework based subject if this is what the research is pointing to is there anything in schools that could perhaps also point towards coursework elements because coursework is so heavy i think like coursework is such a great way to fix part of a grade before the grade and the exam is even sat and that coursework is sometimes a little bit of a drag if i'm honest uh, if i'm being really truthful the chasing of the coursework can be a bit of an arduous task and you know making sure that the coursework is at a good level could sometimes be a task as well especially if students have forgotten to do it but i think it's such a great weapon in in the education arsenal is that these students can go in with 20 or 30 or 50 percent of their grade already nailed to a good standard hopefully before that's set and again the, how that is done is through organization and it is through constant communication and it is through constant you know almost badgering students and parents getting the parents involved for coursework is something you know that that i've done in in past years and getting the parents on side is, is really important but again 70% of those phone calls that we make about either late coursework or coursework not being at target grade or coursework perhaps not being where it should be, they those conversations are with boys, you know. And again, it's because I think, again, stereotypically, you'll get sick and tired of me saying that, um, but stereotypically, boys tend to, you know, leave things to the last minute. And, and by doing that, obviously, you're not giving your best opportunity to do well in the, in the coursework. So please do make sure that all of the coursework, please make sure obviously, you know, that we are having those difficult conversations at times to make sure that the, you know, things are, things are all in and making sure that boys as well as girls, as well as all of your students can make your coursework absolutely phenomenal. Teaching is a rewarding profession, but it comes with its fair share of challenges. That's where ADAPT come in. We're not your typical trade union, but instead, a modern, apolitical alternative, offering expert legal, employment and mental health support. Protection without the politics. So what makes EDAPT different? We're always apolitical and independent, specialised solely in supporting individual teachers. Our caseworkers are professionally qualified, ensuring you always get the best advice. Plus, there's 24-7 mental health support. Whether it's a simple contract check, or handling serious allegations, EDAPT are here for you. Join the thousands of educators who've chosen EDAPT to protect their careers. Subscribe at edapt.org.uk today. EDAPT. Supporting school staff. Protecting careers. This is Teachers Talk Radio. And this is Teachers Talk Radio News. Prime Minister Rishi Sunak is considering significant reform of air levels in England, which, according to the BBC, could see the introduction of what it calls a new British baccalaureate. The PM's plans could include the compulsory study of maths and English up to the age of 18, as reported in the Daily Telegraph. It's not the first time Mr Sunak has considered a shake-up, having previously said during an unsuccessful leadership campaign last year that he wanted all young people to study maths to 18. Foreign Office Minister Andrew Mitchell 
told BBC Radio 4 that he expects Mr Sunak to agree to reform of the education system and said the government will be guided by the best expertise on how we ratchet up standards. Concern about any proposed changes have already been raised by unions and other post-16 professional associations, particularly around the existing issues of recruitment, retention and concerns around workload. A spokesperson for the Sixth Form Colleges Association said the post-16 curriculum was narrow by international standards, and this was partly reflective of chronic underinvestment in sixth form education since 2010. The BBC also features an article on the fall in numbers of students being accepted into universities in the UK, the first fall in five years. Applications also fell after demand rose during the pandemic. Fewer students got into their first choice of university this year, but more qualified for their second choice or accepted places through clearing. The new data from UCAS shows 270,350 UK 18-year-olds were accepted onto a course this year, down from 275,390 in 2022. UCAS says the figures show a return to normal growth following the surge of demand seen during the pandemic. Data for individual universities is not yet available. Last week on Teachers Talk Radio News, we featured reaction to the latest data published on suspensions and exclusions. In a linked story, Schools Week has published further analysis, this time focusing on data from schools linked to incoming Ofsted Chief Inspector Sir Martin Oliver. The analysis reported in the article suggests the Outwood Grange Academy's Trust secondaries excluded twice as many pupils as other schools in some of their regions. At a pre-appointment hearing before the Education Committee last month, Sir Martin was challenged by MPs over the Trust's high suspension rates. Sir Martin responded, Our figures for permanent exclusions are lower than most in the areas in which we work. Schools Week says the data for the Trust's 13 secondary schools in Yorkshire and Humber had a 0.31 exclusion rate, the equivalent of three in every 1,000 pupils, compared to 0.17 across the region's other secondaries. In the northeast, the Trust's seven secondaries had a rate of 0.64, compared to 0.3 in others. Kim Johnson, the only committee MP to vote against the appointment of Sir Martin, said he should be brought back to answer for his words. Frank Norris, an education advisor for the Northern Powerhouse Partnership, said the original comments could be viewed as misleading. A trust spokesperson told Schools Week that Sir Martin was comparing exclusion rates between some individual outward schools to some of the other schools in the same local authorities with similar profiles. Spokesperson also added that the schools had been underperforming for years and had now been transformed by the trust. More details of the Schools Week analysis and full commentary can be found online. In Ireland, the Irish Independent reports on what it calls radical changes in how students are assessed as being on the way in a move to combat the threat of AI platforms such as ChatGPT. Higher education colleges are already being told to abandon certain forms of assessment because they are no longer sufficiently robust to award scores which count towards official grades. These include do-at-home assignments or essays, unsupervised online assessments, and multiple choice quizzes which are conducted online. 
there will be greater reliance on oral assessments to check understanding and systems to identify if students have cheated by using AI. However, colleges are being told to resist any temptation to switch back to traditional end of semester formal e exams. Instead, they should consider short term reweighting of assessments whilst they formulate a long term plan. Finally, this week saw Education Secretary Gillian Keegan comment in the House of Commons that children she had visited in schools affected by poor quality concrete, known as RAC, had been petitioning me to stay in the porter cabin because they preferred it to the actual classroom. Ms Keegan's comments were met with derision by many, saying it showed a chronic lack of understanding of the poor quality facilities schools had been using for many years particularly since the cancellation of the project to rebuild many schools. However, Downing Street defended the comments, saying it reflected a conversation with children and that the department and leaders had worked hard to make sure children had been unaffected by the current challenge. This has been your Teachers Talk Radio News with Joe Fox. So welcome back to The Late Late Show, where we are discussing the gender gap and hopefully ways in which boys can be motivated to close that 5.9 percentage gap at GCSE level. Uh, Jane, are you there at all? Okay, I'm still, we're still trying to get Jane in as a speaker. So, uh, we will carry on as planned and then hopefully Jane will be able to join us as soon as possible. Jane, just keep on trying just to add, add you as a speaker, etc. Uh, maybe plug in a set of headphones with a microphone maybe as well. Uh, that might be able to, to boost it in. Um, so <clears throat> as, um, as part of the research, obviously, we wanted to, to bring you different ways and different research, you know, based ideas i suppose about how to motivate boys i spoke quite a lot at length in the first half around about secondary schools and i'm quite aware of of doing that i think we can't ever oversight the relationship that boys have with their primary school teachers as well and boys who you know it is really really important to nurture and to have those relationships with with students and i'm looking at um i looked at an article earlier today from a website called Lindestad Education, uh, and you can find it. You can find it online. There's uh, the actual article is four powerful ways to help boys with learning at school, and it was posted by Lindestad on uh, the fifteenth of November in twenty twenty one. And essentially, she looks at four different ways based on Australian research that say that our boys are three times more likely than girls to be disengaged from learning. And obviously, it's you know a, a fairly fairly recent report. And, you know, it just comes with some ideas and some pointers, um, one of which is teaching boys by rewarding effort. And again, I spoke about the competitive element there that we've we've had before. And, you know, it's not a case of just picking certain students that are high ranking. It could be any of those students and, you know, measuring that progress over time. And that's quite important. Um, but again, within the within the research, you know, uh, Miss Webb says, and again, just, you know, uh, uh, she is a uh, educational psychologist, says that boys love being able to measure 
seemingly immeasurable skills. Um, the system helps them to understand correlation between effort and outcome. And again, that league table there allows them to see that their effort is being rewarded and that's their outcome. Uh, so that was one way. Another way which I found has always been the case in teaching, and I don't think it's it's just relevant to boys at all, which is why you know I'll, I'll mention it, and that is the focus on their relationship with the teachers and relationship underpins all learning. Children want to know that you know they're respected and cared for by their teachers and boys in particular um tend tend to respond well with teachers who have a good relationship with them and i think you know as this research says they can feel switched off if they feel they aren't valued or respected now you quite rightly listen and say well that's the same for girls and absolutely it is but obviously the focus of, of today is having a look at boys in particular. And when teaching boys, teachers, I think, who go and engage with them and know a little bit about their interests, and you can basically pick those apart, then boys seem to feel that value. And actually, I, I remember uh, personally, you know, when I, was in, uh, when I was in primary school, I had a primary school teacher um, he wasn't actually my teacher, but he was a, a sports teacher and he absolutely loved all of the students and, and did really well with all of the students who were very, very good at football. I played rugby growing up, so my football skills weren't on the same level as some others. And, um, you know, and I never felt that from him. And again, I'm sure it was absolutely, it's, it's absolutely not deliberate, but it's just that recognition of, oh, actually, well, he likes those students because of this, you know, they're in this football team. Um, and I played rugby, so, you know, I wasn't, you know, within that level. And I, I personally felt that. And, you know, it's just something that if I can remember, you know, back in when I was in key stage two, and I'm now like nearly 35, 36, um, it's, it's one of those that if I can still remember it, then it should be important. So, again, you can have that personality. And I'm sure that those boys in that football team absolutely adored their time there and adored the time spent with with that teacher and that's essentially what we're trying to aim for and essentially that's what we're trying to do is to build those relationships too um you know uh, paul fars thank you so much for for calling in and said i'm in primary many parents tell me they're happy now they've got a male teacher they have no male model at home and that's absolutely you know spot on the money you know so thank you for that paul because lots of these students you know may, maybe don't have a positive or a role model at home you know and and again when i was growing up um my dad worked two or three jobs because my mum was a stay-at-home mum so again it's it's having that i'm not saying you know if my dad if you're listening i'm not saying you you, you wasn't present in my life because you absolutely was but at the same time you know from what paul said it's that having that constant figure that constant role model there and uh, again, through my negative experience, I've actually found the positive in it because actually, yes, boys do respond extremely well to people who are good role models. And when I say take an interest in their lives, and when this research says take an interest in their life, you don't have to know absolutely everything about them. Even like a tiny little nugget of information would go an absolute mile in the lives of these students. Um, and I think lots and lots of that comes down to just you being a you as a teacher and you know just just doing what we would be anyway and having those conversations in classes and yes it might be that 
we're, we're having conversations around sport or it could be that we're having conversations around film or literature. It doesn't matter as long as there is that connection in there and making those students feel as if you know something about them. And these students will go the extra mile and through that praise and recognition, they will want to then go uh, home and do your homework because they know they're going to get praise for it or they know they're going to get some reward or recognition. And actually the biggest reward really is that they're further in their education, but sometimes students don't necessarily see that. Um, so, you know, having that relationship with students and in particular boys, this research has said is really impactful on their learning. Um, again, you know, parents need to do a good job too. And this research says that parents need to share with teachers important information about their sons and, and how it impacts their learning. So we need to avoid blaming or criticising or generally being negative about teachers because quite rightly your child's teacher is your ally. Um, if any parent would like to you know, put that bit out right now, that would be absolutely fantastic as well. So trying to build those relationships, trying to work out what it is that these students enjoy. Um, you know, and again, there's such a wide range that you know you, you you can engage with i know that uh jane who's listening still trying still trying to get on um is, is a massive massive sports fan was a or, or uh, perhaps still is a tottenham season ticket holder who, who frequently has conversations you know with boys to motivate them about football and again the respect that the boys i've seen give to jane is phenomenal and it's not just because she likes football it's also because she's an amazing teacher but it's 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 that conversation in the corridor, you know, of of oh yeah, well, she's probably used to this now. But Spurs didn't do too well this weekend, uh, although they're back up there now. Um, and it's having it's having that. I, I don't like to use the word banter. I think it's overused. But it's having that camaraderie with students, and especially with boys as well, to make sure that you know it's 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 really constructive, but also there is a purpose to it. And I think boys tend to wear their heart on their sleeve, again, being stereotypical, there's another one, quite a lot. But at the same time, you know, they want for you to have a conversation with them about the things that they enjoy, as girls do too. So that was one, you know, one piece of research uh, that Linda Stade says on her book. Another one um, was actually um, using project-based work as well. And I'm sure, you know, Primary school teachers do this far better, I think, than, than secondary school teachers. And using project-based work is something that is, it feels like it's um, project-based work, feels like it's something that's done over a period of time rather than just a couple of sentences in, you know, in a lesson. And that's all we're going to do. Lots of boys, apparently, according to the research um, from, and this is the American Educators, the Association of American Educators, this is using project-based learning. And, and and the research says that boys tend to focus on one task at a time and become really absorbed. They have a strong desire to be hands-on with learning. And since many boys respond to having a task to complete, lessons that focus on an end product engage male students. This is especially true if the task allows boys to move and interact at the same time. And again, it's it's changing your environment and always changing your learning to allow boys to become fully absorbed into what it is that you're teaching and having that long end goal too. You know, something that they can get their teeth in and into and they can become absorbed 
into that project-based learning. And as I said, primary schools do that very, very well. I have a young daughter in in primary school and they focus obviously on, on topics, but use that topic almost as a satellite. So they might teach history through it and then English skills through it and geography skills through it. And that is a really good way of learning. And according, again, to, to the Association of American Educators, that's a really good way of engaging boys. So if you can get any sort of long-term project-based learning, apparently boys can provide, you know, uh, can sustain learning in that way. Something else that I found really interesting actually from that website was providing more time for play. And again, focusing really on primary school, although it'd be great if uh, secondary school halfway through a lesson, we could just go out and uh, go out into the playground and, uh, and, and play. But there are over 200 studies that support the cognitive benefits of break time, lunchtime, recess, downtime, whatever you'd like to call it, during the day on student achievement. And these studies showed especially strong benefits for students that struggle with hyperactivity. Boys, again, research-based, are more likely than girls to be diagnosed with ADHD. So therefore, that, that playtime is especially important for them. And again, it's not a case of having to say to our secondary schools and say to our key stage two students to rip up the curriculum and start all over again. It's being mindful of actually, yes, boys might not, you're not going to cancel your lessons for 20 minutes and go out and have a break halfway through. But is that getting up, having a walk around, using the classroom to incorporate that movement around? And it's using the classroom to make sure that you've got, you know, good pointers perhaps on the board. So you're redesigning the classroom to be more physically active. So there are opportunities perhaps to, in one corner of the classroom, have some information that the students need to get to the next task and then they have to move to the other side of the classroom. It's something that I've done in, you know, in English lessons when we're looking at creating an atmosphere or creating a description or a setting, you know, we would have, you know, move to area one and that tells you about pathetic fallacy and the students, once they've been in area one and written in their books about pathetic fallacy with examples on the wall, perhaps they then have to move to area four. So again, you're mixing the classroom. It's not all go to one, then all go to two, all go to three. You're mixing and matching it. Area four, which is the other side of the classroom, might be how to create a character. So again, once they've done that part, they then go to a different section of the classroom. And again, it's the, it's the idea that actually you're probably only moving in reality a couple of feet, but it's a different thing that they're looking at and it's affecting that cognitive ability. And it's allowing students then to be, you know, be active and especially those with hyperactivity it does benefit them it also benefits students socially too because they're bouncing ideas off each other too um and again that can only be a good thing i say to my students all the time there's no point in just listening to me because i only have one brain you listen to each other because there's 30 in here so again it's using those ideas um, to try to get boys up and try to get them active and again from the research that's what um you know people recommend as well um, but lots and lots of things that are designed for boys obviously also work with girls. You know, girls enjoy competition. Girls enjoy getting up and walking around and socialising and project-based learning as well. So it's not just that, you know, these techniques here that we're looking at, it's not just that these techniques are perhaps focused on just boys alone. We are actually focusing on girls too. Um, but obviously, we're just trying to hone in some of these strategies to hopefully help too. Um, lots of research, actually, when we're looking at behaviour as well, points to if you are quite confrontational, 
to boys. And if you are, again, shouting at boys, I think perhaps the, the day of shouting and teaching has, has perhaps dwindled and is, is near non-existent now, especially in the schools that I've been at. You don't hear too many teachers shouting only if there's a concern, you know, a danger or immediate danger. And whatever it is that that student does, you have to get it stopped quickly. Otherwise, something or someone will get hurt. And I think that's a really good way of not just teaching boys, but also girls is that avoiding the confrontation, never trying to be the alpha in that, you know, confrontation. And again, this is this is research by Rita Tell finding that key stage two pupils viewed being shouted at as ineffective and actually damaging to the long term relationship that we mentioned earlier between teachers and pupils. And, you know, this probably shouldn't come as a massive surprise because at the end of the day who'd want to forge a relationship with, with somebody who shouts and especially in the primary school settings shouting is loud and scary and I think when you get to key stage three and four shouting can be seen as something like you know one I don't know why you're shouting at me and two also it gives that reason of you know you've lost control as a teacher um, and again you know the is trying to unpick almost like the negative stereotypes of teaching but also sometimes if if not all the time shouting is very very um it, it has minimal impact because normally the people who you're shouting at perhaps get shouted at, at home they're perhaps used to it as well so again it's trying to unpick that behavior and as teachers we should be aiming to model those behaviors but especially in boys from the research um that read underwent is is that lots of key stage two pupils viewed shouting at being shouted at is ineffective and and you know you have that breakdown in relationships and talking about behavior that again something here that um i found i think that we do anyway if i'm completely honest and that's that depersonalizing behavior and some boys believe that they won't get recognition for any academic output they sometimes think that actually seeking attention by playing up in class is a good way of getting attention and maybe being reprimanded or being you know labeled as as the bad boy might actually be a status symbol that could earn approval from peers as well um really nice example here and uh, this is five ways to effectively teach boys in secondary school but again this works works anywhere is that teachers who tell boys off publicly by constantly referring to the troublemakers by name so for instance jack stop that messing about jack can you not put your pencil in Amir's ear, please, Jack? Could you please refrain from sticking post-it notes on Susan's forehead? It's just giving Jack that attention that perhaps he wants. Because if it's continuous, there is a reason for it. Um, there was an Australian study, actually, by Josephine Infantano and Emma Little, who found that out of 350 pupils sampled, 78% of them actually felt a private discussion was way more effective with dealing with inappropriate behavior 78% out of 350 is a pretty good sample size so again it's having that conversation with students after you know after the event or after having that lesson and only 12% thought that public reprimand was effective um, an instance where behavior needs needs to be addressed you know in the here and now of the lesson again we could still avoid names because that's maybe what students want you know it could be an example of i'm just going to wait while those at the back stop talking and then there's not that recognition there there's not that you know ownership of 
that bad behavior um and and again you know it's it's knowing your students you know what your students do and you know what your students know the best and i'm talking holistically here because this is what the research leads to and again that's just the nature of, of where we are um i mentioned parents earlier and finding quick wins we often hear teachers saying that boys respond well to praise sometimes that isn't true okay like praise out in public um again it's it could be that public praise in front of other boys could maybe damage a masculine status or it could perhaps damage their as i mentioned previous bad boy status or it could you know infer that they are perhaps not you know that's not what they want to the the presentation of themselves that's not what they want to get to kick off but actually what's really effective when dealing with boys and girls in in the same respect are actually phone call home to parents and you know positive contact home is is universally effective in raising standards of behavior so whilst it's sometimes very very difficult to give praise to certain students make sure that we do when when praise actually is there and contrary to popular belief it is success that begets motivation rather than the other way around and again it might be that we spoon feed an answer to a boy in a one-on-one -on -one chat and then asking him to tell you know the class if he feels comfortable with the class the whole later so he can ex you know he can experience that pleasure of feeling right if that's something that he likes to do phone call homes to parents i i personally wish that this or maybe not uh would be the case um either way but sometimes you know i think a phone call home to parents is really powerful i think that's probably one of the most powerful free tools that teachers have in their arsenal is to pick up the phone and say how well a student has done in your lesson today or in that week or within that month because it's something that we perhaps don't do often enough i'm sure we'd be quick enough to pick up the phone with any sort of negative behavior because we have to report it and we want to report it and we don't want that to happen again but actually how often do we reinforce positive behavior and again we're not just talking about boys here but in my experience boys do tend to, to to appreciate a phone call home because it means they get praise from home it means that their parents or carers might be you know have some reward of their own you know they know they know that their child better than us and you know be clear on what it is that they've done so it, they can be rewarded and again that's that subliminal relationship builder is extremely important you know in in trying to display confidence and knowledge and humility when when looking at boys and you know that's something that hopefully we'll be able to to try to do um i know that jane has been trying to get on and i promise we'll absolutely get her on on this on the subject because she is an absolute guru when it does come to talking about boys um something that jane actually does very very well uh, is humor and as well as you know you knowing your subject makes you absolutely brilliant as a teacher it's an absolute great great thing to do sometimes actually it's okay to be humble sometimes self-depreciated humor works extremely well or any humor you know works really well with boys and and girls and you know it's it's again as, as i mentioned before a fine line when we're talking about banter um but at the same time humor is such a strong tool if there's anything like a little quip a little joke boys tend to appreciate humor because they would laugh out loud whereas you know it, it's one of those things that 
I've done it ever since day one because I, I think sometimes being a male teacher, actually, there is sometimes with certain boys that that threat of them them not being an alpha male, and I'm not saying absolutely don't be that thing. You you have to make sure that students know that you are in charge of that classroom, that that is your domain, but also it's okay that there are other people in there too. And I think that humour works extremely well, um, whether it's just a, a joke about maybe the football or the rugby or whatever it is at the weekend that you know that some of the boys know as they're walking in. Uh, my favourite topic at the moment is Manchester United because they're, they're, they're dreadful. So every time I know what, what my students, what football teams they support, um, you know, as they're walking in, it's like, oh, I see United had a good, another good result at the weekend. And then again, you've got that line of humour, but also you've got that respect and that relationship in there too. Thank you for joining me uh, tonight. Um, it was my first solo effort. Um, so hopefully I didn't waffle too much and uh, hopefully you didn't turn off as soon as you realised that Jane wasn't coming on. We will, I promise you, uh, get Jane on. And, um, you know, I think lots of things that we've discussed tonight and lots of things that we've done tonight are ideas that work with boys and girls. But obviously the topic tonight was to try to, you know, raise that progress percentage point and again hopefully even if you just come away with one thing that you'd like to trial I think that that would be a, a success in this podcast and in this radio show as well okay so thank you very very much for listening you've been listening to teachers talk radio tune in live and listen back at ttradio.org we look forward to hearing from you next time on Teachers Talk Radio.